How many people came excited about Jesus this morning? There we go. Absolutely love it. Well, hey, y'all, this is the last weekend of 2023. Uh, for many of us, God has been good. Uh, there are some of us in this room, 2023 has been a doozy of a year, and I got good news for you. By the grace of God and by the hand of God, you made it. So congratulations to you on making it to this last Sunday. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 19. I won't be before you long. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. Before we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to ask you a quick question. I know some of us in this room are the A-type personalities to where we like to do our vision boards for 2024, and we have our goals for 2024, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of those things. But in all sincerity, let me ask you a question. In 2024, how many of you have said, one of my goals is, is I want to get closer to Jesus by show of hands. Let's go. Let's go. I am so proud <coughs> of every single one of you who have decided to make that a goal for 2024. And I want to follow it up with this statement. Since you made the decision to say, I want to get closer to Jesus in 2024, I've made the same decision. Here's the question. Are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to pay the cost to get closer to Jesus in 2024? And here's why I'm asking you this question. One of the things that I've learned in my 20 plus years of walking with Jesus now, I have learned that salvation is 100% free, but discipleship costs you. And when you raise your hand and you say, hey, I wanna get closer to Jesus in 2024, what you're really saying is, is I wanna be a disciple in 2024. I wanna draw closer to him. I wanna follow him and that's great. But every single disciple you read about in scripture, especially the 12, following Jesus always costs them something. And if I'm being honest with you, the reality is, is it actually costs them everything. And as I was reading the text in Matthew chapter 19, there was a question I asked myself, and the question was simply this. Why did Jesus only choose 12 disciples? Why didn't he choose 15? Why didn't he choose 30? Why didn't he choose 100? Why did Jesus only choose? Why did Jesus only have 12 disciples? And here's the simple answer that I don't think anyone would give me an argument against. And the reason is, is Jesus only had 12 disciples because he only needed 12 disciples. And you and I have hindsight to know that those 12 men completely and totally flipped the world upside down. But then I started to thinking and asked myself another question. And the other question was this. Was the opportunity to be one of Jesus' disciples only presented to 12 men? And here's the conclusion. No. Matthew chapter 19, there was actually the possibility for a young man to become the 13th disciple. But this young man turned down the opportunity to be the 13th disciple because he wasn't willing to pay the cost to follow Jesus. Here's another way to say it. This young man turned down the opportunity to walk in intimate fellowship with the God of the universe because he was too concerned with what he was going to have to walk away from. 
and not realizing who he was getting ready to walk with. And over the next 25 minutes or so, here's what I want to do. I want you and I to have a conversation around this message entitled, Are You Willing to Pay the Price? We're going to look at a narrative that all of you have more than likely read at some point in your life. And it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would show you something in the text that you hadn't seen before. And I'm going to pull out three principles from this narrative that you and I pray would glean to so that in 2024, when Jesus says, come follow me, our answer to him without a shadow of a doubt will be, yes, Lord, I'll come and follow you. With that being said, would you join me in a word of prayer? Hey, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to serve and miss the body of Christ in this wonderful church called Pillar. In this moment, I decrease and ask that you would increase. Hide me behind the cross and let me say only what it is you want me to say and nothing more than that. And I pray, God, that you would do open heart surgery on every single person in this room, beginning with the man on the platform. And at the conclusion of this message, it is my prayer, Lord, that our desires would not just be the goals and the dreams and some of the ambitions you might have given us, but our number one desire would be to walk in close fellowship with you, to walk in an intimate way with you, to know you, to be men and women who would say, we will pick up our cross and follow you. Now, Lord, wherever I mess up, would you make it up? Let them not see me, let them only see and hear from you. Anoint me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet and give me preaching power. And God, I pray at the conclusion of this message, you would be glorified and magnified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse number 16. Let's look at what the text says from the New Living Translation. It says this, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus replied, why ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And the young man asked, well, which ones? And Jesus replied, well, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And then with a little bit of pride, the young man says, oh Lord, I've obeyed all these commandments. What else must I do? Jesus told him, well, son, if you really want to get this right, if you want to get it perfect, if you want to hit the nail on the head, here's what I need you to do. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Oh, by the way, then after you do that, come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. <coughs> Y'all, as I was reading this text, I found this to be mind-blowing. Jesus has three words to this young man. It's the same three words that every disciple has heard. And those three words were simply this, come, follow me. It's the same invitation that he gave to Peter when Peter was out there fishing on the boat and he was having a hard day and he was ready to throw in the towel. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene and does his Jesus thing. And then Peter has two nets where the nets are literally bursting because there are so many fish that he could call. Y'all, Peter could have retired that day. He caught so many fish. And then he looks at Peter and says, Peter, will you come and follow me so I will make you a fisher of men? And immediately, Peter leaves it all behind and goes and follows Jesus. But that just wasn't a conversation that Jesus had with Peter. It was a conversation he had with Andrew. It's a conversation he had with Simon. It's a conversation he had with Mark. It's a conversation he had with John. It's a conversation he had with Thaddeus, with Bartholomew, with Simon, with Judas, with all of the disciples. He had this conversation over and over again. And this conversation always ended with, come, 
follow me. And then we get here in Matthew chapter 19, and this young man gets the same invitation. But instead of dropping everything and saying, yes, Lord, I'll come and follow you, he turns away and he walks away sad. Could it be that for you and I, if 2024 is going to be an impactful year in our lives, especially spiritually, could it be that quite possibly there may come a moment in 2024 where you and I are going to have to walk away from some things? Could it be in 2024 that for some people in this room, if you're going to really be a disciple, the type of disciple that God desires for you to be, could it be that you may need to walk away from some relationships? Could it be that you may need to let go of some old hurts and pains and habits and start forgiving? Could it be that you might need to start changing your circle of influence? Could it be that you might have to let go of some things that you've worked so hard for, some opportunities that might come your way, some doors that might be open, but as a result, it's going to cost you intimacy with him. And as a result, you're going to have to say no. Truth of the matter is, here's what I know about Jesus. Jesus wants you and I to walk in close fellowship with him, to walk in intimacy with him. And if you and I are gonna be the type of disciples that Jesus wants us to be, discipleship ain't free, fam. It might just cost you everything. And the real answer you need to be able to have is, is Lord, my answer to you is yes, despite what it might cost me. So if you and I are gonna be the type of disciples that Jesus wants us to be in 2024, there are three things that I wanna to bring to your attention. Point number one is this, simply this. Disciples never elevate their works for God over their time with God. I'll say it again. Disciples never elevate their works for God over their time with God. Pastor Brent, what did you pull this part of the text from? I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you an answer. If you look at this young man, notice the thing that he highlights the most is the fact that he's kept all the commandments. Here it is, this young man heard Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount more than likely, and if he didn't hear the sermon, he heard about the sermon, which is why he's asking this question, how can I have eternal life? In addition to that, I'm sure he's heard about Jesus healing blinded eyes and causing the lame to walk and even raising the dead and giving them brand new life. And he's in this moment where he finally gets to have a chance to speak to Jesus face to face, and he asks him a question, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus tells him to keep all the commandments, and he says, well, which ones? and Jesus tells them all the ones and he says, oh, Jesus, I've done all of those things. There was a boasting about him, an arrogance about him as it relates to all of the things that he did, but he missed the most important thing Jesus told him to do because I want you to know this, that Jesus never said after he said, I did all these things, well, congratulations, son. Here's what he said. Well, if you really want to get this right, here's what I want you to do. Come follow me. And here's why Jesus says this, because Jesus is more concerned about his time with you than the work he does through you. And one of the things we have to be mindful of is not elevating our works for God over our relationship with God. Because here's the truth of the matter, I know a whole lot of people who have done amazing works for God in public, but their life is a hot mess.com in private. And I'm not talking about a hotmess.com from the perspective of they can't get it together. I'm talking about a hotmess.com because behind the scenes they live a life of sin and they think they're getting away with it. 
You and I need to realize that our time with God is far more important than our works with God. One of the things that I know is God cares way more about you having clean hands and a pure heart than you ever preaching the gospel to get 5,000 people saved. Truth of the matter is, is if you are not careful, you can get to a place to where you can have all of these accolades and all of these accomplishments and all these successes. And if you're not careful, in 2024, as you achieve your goals, if you're not careful, you can start to allow some of those things to become a part of your identity. And here's how I know that to be true, because it almost happened to me. As a matter of fact, if you're being real honest, it happened to me this year. I'll tell you a story, I'm gonna throw myself under the bus, y'all just lick my little wounds after this message is over. <coughs> I'm at coffee, <coughs> and I'm with Preston and Isaac, and Preston is, you know, being the senior pastor and being our big brother, and he's pouring into us and speaking words of encouragement over us. And when we get to the end of this conversation, uh, he looks at Isaac and I, and he says, if I were your enemy, what way would I take you out? I want you to go and pray about that. So a couple of days later, I'm here in this sanctuary, and I'm praying, and I'm reading the Bible. And I asked this question to the Lord. I said, Lord, if, I, if the enemy wanted to take me out, which way would he, he take me out? And here's, the Lord gave me one word, y'all, and here was the word. The word was pride. And here is my response. Not me, Lord. <laughs> pride? That's not something I struggle with, but if you say so, okay, pray about it in true fashion of any person who struggles with pride. <sighs> so about a month and a half goes by, and this thing happens, this event happens. I find out some, some information. And I start getting all of these feelings on the inside of me. And I know that these feelings aren't necessarily good feelings, that they don't necessarily line up with the way that God wants me to feel about something based on the information I receive. And I'm driving down the street. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? And it reminds me, this is the pride that I was talking about. Now, to make it clear, because I know some of you are saying, well, well, dang, Brent, can you tell us what it was? No, I ain't gonna give you no details because ain't none of your business, but here's the thing. Um, the Lord let me deal with it privately, and here's what I could share with you publicly. If someone came up to me and asked me the question, Brent, if you had to choose between spending the rest of your time on the platform for God or in the presence of God in private, which one would you choose? And y'all, I didn't even realize it. My heart had gotten to a place to where I actually would have chosen spending my time on the platform with God versus being in the secret place of the presence with God. And here's what the Lord revealed to me. He says, son, if you desire the platform of God more than the presence of God, you're gonna fall like so many other men and here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna mess around and you're gonna build a throne. And I need you to understand that I've never called my men of God to build thrones. I've only called them to build altars. Okay, Lord, you was right. I do struggle with pride. Could you fix it? And here, y'all, I wept. I'm letting y'all in my little business. I wept. I wept and I wept and I said, Lord, I never want to be in this place again. 
This is my desire for me and you. As we attain our goals in 2024, man, shoot for the stars, aim for the moon, however the saying goes, I don't care. But don't you ever let your personal goals and ambitions supersede your desire to walk in close fellowship with God. It's the reason why one of my favorite biblical heroes is a man by the name of Enoch. By show of hands, how many of you have heard of Enoch before? Real quick, Enoch. Amen, y'all been reading your Bible, amen. Um, for those of you who may not have been reading your Bible, it's okay. Um, there's a man in scripture by the name of Enoch. His story is found in Genesis chapter four and Hebrews chapter 11. He is my absolute, next to Jesus, favorite character in all of scripture. And here's what's gonna blow your mind. Enoch, there's only literally seven to nine verses that are written about Enoch in the entire Bible. There's not much information on him. And the place where he's found in Genesis chapter four, if I'm being honest with you, it's one of the most boring chapters in all of scripture because it's a genealogy. It's kind of that place where people say, I'm gonna do my Bible through a year plan and then they get to the genealogy and they just quit, right? Because it's just, <laughs> I can't make it through. It's this person beget, this person, they died. This person beget, this person, they died. This person beget, this person, they died. That's all the genealogy is. And that's all that's found in Genesis chapter four until you get to verse number 21. And it gets to Enoch and here's what it says. And Enoch beget Methuselah, and he went on to live another 365 years, and he walked in close fellowship with God. And then it says, and he didn't die, but he disappeared because God took him. Y'all, when I read that, the text jumped off of the page, and the thing that jumped off the page to me was not the fact that Enoch disappeared. Just so you know, there's only two people in scripture who have never died and simply disappeared. One was Enoch, the second one was Elijah. He went up by a chariot and my prayer is that I would be the third, amen. Um, <laughs> but here's what's so amazing about Enoch. Out of all of the generations, and it's, these people live for hundreds of years, out of all of these men who came before him, he's the only one who gets the distinction of being a man who walked in close fellowship with God. Now watch this, we have no recorded works of what Enoch actually did. But here's what I do know. I do know that Enoch is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. What's Hebrews chapter 11? It's the hall of faith. You don't make it into Hebrews chapter 11 unless you've quote unquote done something amazing for God. And you know what Enoch's amazing work was? It was walking in close fellowship with him. Don't you dare tell me that your works supersede my time with him. Truth of the matter is the Lord is looking for men and women who would say, would you be willing to spend intimate time with me versus having to focus on the works you wanna do for me? And one of the things I've learned is when you spend intimate time with him, it's inevitable that at some point he'll use you to do significant works. So point number one, again, if you're gonna be a disciple, a true disciple in 2024, disciples never elevate their works for God over their time with God. But here's point number two, disciples don't focus on what they're walking from, they focus on who they're walking with. Here's the problem with the rich young ruler. If I'm speaking to millennials and I'm speaking to Gen Z, they'll get this language. He was so concerned about the bag. Jesus tells him, hey, if you really wanna get this right, go take all your possessions, sell it to the poor. Sorry, go take all your possessions, sell it, and then give the proceeds to the poor. And here's what he says. The text says he walks away sad because he was more concerned about what he was walking away from, the stuff he was going to have to leave behind, that he couldn't see that he had an opportunity to walk with the God of the universe. 
He didn't see that he had an opportunity to walk in close fellowship with Jesus, the one who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who has named all the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the planets, and the universe, the one who very specifically went to Calvary to die on the cross for you, for me, and for him. But he didn't stay dead. He got up at that grave three days later with all power in his hands so that he could have eternal life. Oh, I got to help y'all out real quick. Now, listen, if y'all going to clap, don't be giving me no little pity pat claps. Now, I need that real good Holy Ghost Hallelujah clap. Amen. <laughs> and this is what this young man missed because he was so focused on what he was walking away from. He missed out on this is who you get to walk with. As I was preparing this message, there was a person that came to my mind who I wanted to just kind of share about that the Holy Spirit put in my heart. And that's none other than our executive pastor, Brad Larson. Brad is without question, Brad and Noel, uh, anointed individuals of God. I absolutely love them. Just, just a side note, one of the reasons why I love them is because we have a show that's in common called Suits, and they gave me a mug by the Lewis Lit Mug. You got lit up. If you know, you know, okay? It's my, my favorite mug. Um, but, but here's one of the things that I love about Brad. As I was in my transition to Pillar Church, um, one of the first persons I had to sit with was Brad. And I got the opportunity to learn some of Brad's story. And for those of you who may not be familiar with Brad's story, um, for 10 years, Brad worked bivocationally. He was pastoring a church called E3, but he was also on staff at GoDaddy. And he was on staff at GoDaddy when GoDaddy was a startup company. The Lord put a burden on Brad's heart uh, and he ended up merging E3 with Gateway at the time. And he came on staff full-time here at Gateway. But here's what you may not know. GoDaddy was getting ready to go public and they didn't want Brad to leave. So they threw the kitchen sink at Brad as it relates to stock options. And here's the truth of the matter. If Brad would have stayed, Brad would have been a multimillionaire fist over hand. And we got the chance as a staff to celebrate Brad a couple of weeks and celebrate Noel a couple of weeks ago. And Brad made this comment and the comment that he made is something that I will never forget. Here's what Brad said. He said, oftentimes when people tell my story, they talk about what I walked away from. But when I left GoDaddy, my focus wasn't on what I was walking away from. My focus was what I was walking into. And I was walking into a spiritual inheritance. And if there's anyone in this room who knows Brad Larson from a personal level, you know that Brad and Noel are two anointed individuals. And here's what I need you to get. Here's what I need you to understand though. I need you to understand that money can buy you a lot of things, but it can't get you oil. And here's my prayer for us going into 2024. Do I pray that the Lord will bless us financially? Absolutely, but bigger than blessing us financially, I pray that every single person in this room would receive more oil from heaven that they have ever received before. So as a church, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to set the captive free, to see chains broken and yokes destroyed, and to take care of the widows and the orphans, and to flip this world upside down. So don't you dare let the enemy fool you as you get ready to enter into 2024 when Jesus whispers in your ear, hey, will you come, come follow me in this area? It is my prayer that your answer will be yes. Don't think about what you're walking away from. I want you to be focused on who you're walking with 
and what you're getting ready to step into. But then there's a third thing that disciples will do and then I'm done. Here it is. Disciples don't live for the temporal. They live for the eternal. I'll say it again. Disciples don't live for the temporal. They live for the eternal. Pastor Brent, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. Every day, I want you to wake up in 2024 and say to yourself, I'm not just living for today. I am living for eternity. Because what I do here on earth will determine what my eternity looks like. Let's look at what the text says. This is the same thing the disciples had to wrestle with. So we just finished reading the part about where this young man walks away. And here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Then Jesus says to his disciples, verse 23, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, let me be very clear, y'all. Jesus has no problem with anyone in this room being rich. Being rich is not the problem. Money is not the problem. You know what the problem is? It's the love of money. And what Jesus is addressing is individuals who have turned their money into idols, who have put their trust in their money more than they do the God who created them who have put their trust in their resources more than the God who is the source of all things. And this is what Jesus is trying to explain because I have other scriptures that would tell us right now, God is the one who gives you the power to get wealth. So Jesus has no issues with people being wealthy. But the issue is, is when you begin to make money an idol. And then he gives this illustration to the disciples. He says, man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Once upon a time, people used to think that there was this place on the wall of Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle. What's the Eye of the Needle? It's an entrance on the wall of Jerusalem that is so narrow that in order for a camel, which was the largest animal at the time that people owned, in order for a camel to get through this Eye of a Needle, you would have to take a rope and tie it around the camel and then pull the camel through so that they can get through the entrance. Well, here's the deal. I read commentary after commentary after commentary after commentary, and every single commentary I read said there is no historical evidence, nor has there ever been found, a place on the wall of Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle. Which leads to this conclusion. Y'all, Jesus is actually cracking jokes. Jesus looked at himself and says, fellas, let me tell you right now, man, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of this sewing needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's what's crazy. The disciples are they're mind blown at this point. And here's what the disciples say next. The disciples say this in verse 25. The disciples were astounded. And they say, then who in the world can be saved, they ask. And y'all, that's a great question. Because if you look at what has happened with this rich young ruler, this man checked, quote unquote, all of the boxes. And he walks away saying, so they said, who can be saved? And here's what Jesus says to him. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. Why would Jesus say this? The reason why Jesus would say this is because Jesus knows that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And the reality is, is you and I would never be able to meet the mark of salvation. But then look what he says next. He says, but with God, everything is possible. Why does Jesus say that? Because Jesus knows he's getting ready to go to the cross and die for you and I so that we can have the opportunity to have eternal life. But then my boy Peter steps in and y'all, Peter always brings a comedic flair to the text. Look at what Peter says. Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you, Jesus. 
what will we get? Let me paint the picture. This, 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 this is how I saw it in my mind. Peter's sitting there and he's looking at Jesus, having this conversation with a young man. He's just sitting there eating his popcorn like, oh my gosh. You should have followed him. And then Jesus Christ the jokes, and then Peter's sitting there thinking about, wait a minute, he, he did ask him about eternal life. He, he told them to follow, but we follow. Excuse me, Rabbi. Um, listen, I know you, I know you, you King of Kings and Lord of Lords and everything. Um, and I'm so grateful to be following you. I'm grateful. Okay, I'm grateful. But I did sell a whole fishing business. Um, I'm just curious. After all of this. What are we going to get? That's an amazing question. And here's what Jesus says to Peter. It says in verse 28, Jesus replied, Peter, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, that's a promise to the 12 disciples. But this next verse, ooh, I love this next verse. The reason why I love this next verse is because it's a promise to you and I. And here's what he says, verse 29. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. In verse 30, as we land the plane, but many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Here's the truth of the matter. I know that some people right now, you can look at this world and look at what people are achieving and accomplishing. And, and if you're not careful, you can start comparing yourself and start to feel discouraged that you haven't quite accomplished this or quite achieved this and, and this and that. And here's what I want to tell you. Number one, stop looking at what everybody else is doing because it ain't good for you in the first place. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Walk in intimate fellowship with him. Obey whatever he tells you to do. And here's what I can guarantee you. One day you are going to realize that following Jesus and walking away from the things he asked you to walk away from was a hundred thousand percent worth it. It is my prayer that everyone in this room one day, when we get to see our Savior face to face, we would hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, so I'm going to make you ruler over many. For the person who's sitting here right now who might feel a little discouraged because you feel like life has beaten you up and you feel like you're behind, here's what I need you to know. I need you to know, number one, this is something that I had to learn the hard way. You're not late. But then number two, here's what I need you to know. You're right where you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be. And Jesus sees where you are. And here's what you need to know. In 2024, there's going to come a moment, there's going to come a time to where you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged by the Holy Spirit to step your game up. And the question you need to answer is, is are you willing to pay the price? Could you imagine how differently the text might have read if this young man would have became the 13th disciple? So let me ask you a question. How much different would your life look 
if you made a commitment to be the best possible disciple you could be. So I'll end this message the same way that I started it. I'm excited for 2024. I'm glad you've got your goals. And if you made a decision to say, hey, I wanna get closer to Jesus in 2024, well, here's what I need you to know. That's great, but it's gonna cost you. And are you willing to pay the price? Let me pray for us. Hey, Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share this word. And this is my prayer. That for every single person in this room who heard this message and every single person who might hear this message online, that Holy Spirit, you would be our advocate. As we seek to please you, as we seek to walk in close fellowship with you, as we seek to fulfill your will for our lives in the earth. Holy Spirit, would you calibrate our minds and our hearts in a way to where our attention and our number one priority is to always please you, to walk in close fellowship with you, to know you and be known by you, to love you and be loved by you. And lastly, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage the man, the woman that heard this message, who feels that you're far off, would you remind you them that your hand is upon them, that you are with them and that you are for them. And for those who might've had a difficult 2023, Lord, I pray that you would give them double for their trouble in 2024. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I bless you. And Lord, I praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everyone said, amen. amen.